0: So the UK is going to prosper after Brexit, it needs to get its mojo back. It needs to be more entrepreneurial, and we're going to talk about that today on the Debunking Economics podcast with Professor Steve Keane. Yes, the UK needs to lead trade, not scrape around looking for trade deals that'll probably mean more for the other side than it does for the UK. In short, whilst we prepare for Boris's no-deal Brexit, should we also make entrepreneurship and innovation a big deal for Britain? That's today on the Debunking Economics podcast. I'm Phil Dobby. Welcome along. Well, Britain gave us the steam engine, railways, the electric motor, the jet engine, stainless steel, canned food, frozen food, the telegraph, Chocolate bars, the fire extinguisher, the ATM, the World Wide Web, the lawnmower, the light bulb, the kettle, bikes, colour photography, the match, vaccines, caterpillar tracks, the tank, the clone sheep, the bra, rocket fuel, the toaster, the radio telescope, the ballpoint pen, suntan lotion, scotch tape, aerosol, the wheelchair. But what has it done lately? Perhaps it's not been doing a lot because we are hamstrung by Brussels and that's all going to change once Britain is out of the EU, once we've left that free trade agreement with the 27 nations of the European Union and the other 40 countries that the EU has free trade agreements with. It's all going to be so good then. Just imagine the reason that Britain only exports $400 billion worth of goods is because we are shackled by Europe, even though, of course, the US only exports $1.2 trillion worth of goods, three times the amount the UK exports, but they've got five times the population, But and they are unheaded by the EU. But let's ignore those facts and just concentrate on the opportunity for Britain. The big stuff we export, transport like cars and machines and gas turbines and the like, and chemical products like medicines and oil and a bit of gold, that's three, I've just outlined three quarters of our exports right there. So how do we export more, Steve? Do we, I mean, obviously a lower power might be a good start, but uh, do we produce more of what we're producing right now or do we need this new entrepreneurial Britain that's going to create new stuff and how do we get there?
1: Well, this is actually Mariana Mazakuto's major point that entrepreneurship and innovation is what you need to inspire and one element that can do that is the government sector. Uh financing and because it can, it can afford to lose money uh, whereas the private sector you have to have very wealthy individuals to be able to afford money uh, to lose money to actually have innovation take place because most innovations fail but the ones that succeed succeed wildly so this is the whole world how do you generate that focus? And yeah. the trouble is with the, with Britain that it made the decision under Maggie Thatcher back in the 1980s to go with a service led economy. They mentioned such a thing as a post industrial world. Uh, you didn't need the industrial sector; you could make the money up by service exports. And if you look at um, actually, I'm going to check. It. Were you looking at the Atlas of Economic Complexity as you gave? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. We're well, a lot of a lot Indeed. of information. Okay, definitely. okay. okay. Then so are you going to do that while you while you're looking that oh, up? No, I
1: don't. It's already in front of me, mate. Oh, okay.
0: Because <laughs> <Well>, the <laughs> question I was going to ask was for, for all of this. Yeah. Has has our membership of the EU made the uk too concentrated i mean is that that idea that you know we're, we're going to concentrate on the service sector we're going to be the financial center for for europe has that you know has, has the eu taken us down the road of comparative advantage that very ugly road and uh you know is there, I mean, is that part of your argument of why you why you think we yeah, should I, be I, out? I think
1: i think this is part of it because if you look at what it wasn't just the eu i mean this is maggie maggie thatcher made two decisions one was to promote the financial sector to liberate remove government regulation, but almost without fail those Regulations are about what happens in the financial sector, not what happens in the industrial sector of the economy. So basically, uh, why do we have those regulations? Because back in the 1930s, we had a thing called the Great Depression, caused by banks behaving irresponsibly. A whole lot of legislation got put in place to stop that happening again, and then the deregulation is going and remove it once more, and we get back into another huge, huge debt bubble. So mm-hmm. uh, that that that's. But 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 the EU at the same time, if you look at what um, this is where it's great to make a comparison of, of uh, the UK to Germany. I'm looking at uh, the UK's chart as you are right now. And information and computer technology is 20, 21% of exports. Uh, insurance and finance is 13%. You've got pretty much 40% there. Add in uh, and, and transport, which, which itself is... Um, uh, travel and tourism and then transport, you've got virtually 50% of the economy in the service sector. Now, if you take a look at – let's actually both do that. I'm going to bring up another tab. I think here. it's more than 50%, isn't it, the service
0: sector in total? But, yeah. And
1: 133 33, it's about 43 44%. There are cars there as well. In manufacturing. Uh, if, you, mm. if you look at uh, Germany, uh, then – Germany as an export, I'm waiting for the data to pop up here. Come on, looking at a blank screen. Thanks very much, guys. Uh, this is I love
0: this. It's almost like real time radio, it is isn't it? Real but time but, stuff, uh, but it, it's, it's just actually, podcasting yeah. that we can't bother editing, so we just leave it in. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just sit uh, around and wait for it. But I mean, well, Germany, okay, okay. But Germany. See, Germany see. But we know Germany has a, a far more. I mean, the the the, the 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 basis of it. We know that Germany has a you know a far bigger uh, manufacturing, manufacturing export uh, the, base and, than we do. And
1: when you when you look at the percentage of GDP that is generated by the manufacturing sector back when Maggie made that decision. Manufacturing in the UK was about 20% of GDP and it was the same in Germany. You mm. fast forward to now, it's 10% in the yeah. UK and still 20%. And in obviously,
0: we can't have everyone working in the finance
1: sector. So well, you even though might- people are selling debt. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's the trouble. The only work along was there's a debt bubble going on. That wasn't Maggie wasn't aware of. So when the debt bubble banged out, um, the growth in the the finance sector stops. It still takes up a huge percentage of GDP, but your GDP is growing more sluggishly. So you got to go back to what you rejected back in the 1980s, which is manufacturing. Right, and now, do you need right
0: and should effect. the focus there be trying to uh, create an export base for that, so you get a higher proportion of GDP? from exports, or can we look at places like America, for example, uh, which has a, a, a sort of manuf- – well, it does have a manufacturing base, but they've they've also got a huge deficit, and they sort of seem to be doing
1: all right, don't they, by nature of their sheer size? Well, they've also got the fact that they're the reserve currency, which makes life rather easy for them. They can't – you know, the, the American dollars are always going to be in demand, mm. and you can buy anything with American dollars. With UK pounds, you've got to convert them to American dollars to finalise those purchases. So – and uh, you're running a trade deficit as the UK is doing then you're in trouble. Right. So, uh, and so what you have with the UK is it's first of all got an overvalued pound compared to what the manufacturing sector needs because the service sector even though it's been ineffective in replacing manufacturing exports is still huge. So you have got you know I think of the order of 40% of exports uh, from the from the service sector. Right. Um,
0: but you're, so, you're saying there's like the service sector is a bad thing. You you seem to be tying the service sector with the finance sector. I mean, they don't have to be the same thing, do they? So you look at yeah, companies but they, like they, Microsoft. But they
1: are. And, I mean, you know, the, it, 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 <laughs> well, do so? Haird- d- 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 add up all the hairdressers in the country? I mean, but part, partly. Well, no, but if you look at is is Google
0: a, a manufacturing base? Well, it's it, a it service. It's an
1: industry. ICT. That's fair enough. Okay, mm. but um, yeah.
0: So I mean, but, that that has to be the growth area, doesn't it? But if you're so that, that raises the question: If you're going to develop exports, do you try and uh, expand the industries you already have, or do you try and launch new high tech industries from from scratch? And logic tells that's the game. I mean, I mean, logic says you try and build on what you've got, like cars on the like. You know, like, for example, can we make better electric cars than the Germans do? But you also look at the the, the growth around the world, and it's all high tech, isn't it?
1: yeah and then that that is partly what also the atlas of economic complexity which you, know, you, you said we, we let's plug it because it is a fabulous resource it's uh, a database developed by computer scientists not by economists therefore it's got a it's already offered a good start and it takes the s standard international trade classification system sitc and has data going back about something like 30 30 or 40 years of every country in the world down to i think a six digit level in terms of the accuracy of how they classify different industries And that shows you not just what are the exports of a particular country and what the imports are by sector. It also lets them build up a map of saying, um, using using algorithms to mathematically say how distant is one industry from another. Uh, So they have clusters of industry, obviously, Mm -hmm. for example, oil, coal, um, all this sort of stuff goes in the resource sector, Uh, cars. Um, trains goes in a manufacturing sector, but glass, for example, is closely related to cars and trains because you have to have windows on them. Therefore, these two industries are not particularly far apart. And w- what they say is in terms of looking at how countries succeed in developing. It tends to be by taking industries that are already close to what you've currently got and creating a new industry out of the combination of old ones. That's where the innovation tends to occur. So they advise you, as you say, build on what you currently have. But, of course, in the UK's case, that has been dramatically converted from uh, from what used to be a strong manufacturing sector and one that now is quite weak. But a major part of that uh, getting over that weakness is a devaluation in the pound. And that's certainly been happening. Obviously,
0: that's good because that makes it cheaper for us to export stuff. But then, then if we if we're not making this all the stuff in this country, um, then it's more expensive because we've got to import all those parts, which are going to cost more. And and you've got to
1: basically start building your own machine tool systems. This this is the part Mm. that Germany uh, has. has Well, we've got actually a lot of machines are made in Britain.
0: We do have that advantage. We actually tool up Europe to 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 a reasonable extent. So we do have that on our side. I think
1: but not as much as, uh, as germany German. i would no, say no okay. of course
0: not yeah
1: We're looking at uh, look, look at the section with the manufacturing section in so for the the uh, machines in general uh, in terms of the proportion of uk trade are about one about 40 60% what they are in germany so the menu the, the, the tool sector and the, of course the technical training that goes with it that's vital so i've seen some comments in the in the uh, uk media about promoting Trade education. I think that's a that's an excellent idea. It's one thing that all this focus on universities, which mm. really do, do not do not provide the set people need in manufacturing. As, as skilled workers, nothing like it. Um, that's a, that's good to see. At least some emphasis going back on trade.
0: Well, that's it. How do you make companies go? Irrespective, of – I mean, you'd assume that companies would naturally look for the opportunities that exist based on what's always already around. I mean, we don't want to get to a stage, do we, where governments determine? what industries is, are going to be developed in the country. It's got to somehow be uh, something that happens
1: by well, you, you need by a mix between the two, and this is, that's, I like combining the work of Mariana Mazakuto at one stage talking about the role of the government in in sponsoring innovation, and she points out that even companies like Google uh, rely upon an enormous amount of government-developed technology, so the government plays a role there. The other side is Bill Janeway, who's a successful uh, venture capitalist who also has a PhD in economics uh, from from Cambridge, back when Cambridge was a non-Orthodox institution. So he's a follower of Joan Robinson and, and Nicky Calder and people like that. And he argues that innovation occurs in the private sector because of the uh, the promise of outrageous gain. He was one of the early investors in Compaq, for example. Now, Compaq has gone, by the way, of the dodo, but for a while that was one of the world's major computer manufacturers, and he made a large amount of money out of that. And what he sees is uh, you venture capitalism works because people have huge amounts of money and they can afford to risk part of it um, losing money in most but making an outrageous gain in one or the other right. and so the combination of the two mm. is what you need now, in many but they're, ways, but they're not the, but they're, they're,
0: they're the people providing the money they're not the people providing the ideas though are they so if you look at uh, yeah. I mean all that saying is that needs to be money available for those people who've got the idea if you look at uh, the real entrepreneurs I don't think Bill Gates was in it for money was he he was in it out of, out of intellectual satisfaction I don't think he was when he started in his garage he wasn't expecting to build the, the biggest company in the world
1: no, but he – I mean, he was uh, always money-oriented, no doubt about that. Um, and he, he made his money by some – I won't go into that, but I wasn't particularly impressed with the way he made his made his money initially. Mm. But, um, but you have to have finance to enable entrepreneurs to turn good ideas into good products. Yeah. And that's why we come back to how do you do that. And, like, there's talk about an investment bank. In the UK, and I think that's that's a it's a it's a good idea to do it, but it has to be something which is willing to lose money. And this is the ironic thing: people think things like this should make money. Um, no, the whole idea of this is to have something which can afford to have losses, so that out of some of those losses occur some outrageous gains. And in the aggregate, the whole thing might lose might lose money as a as a as a way of you know, providing government finance to enable entrepreneurial activity to occur. But the entrepreneurial activity is more important than whether the government makes a profit or a loss out of that institution. Well, James Dyson, who obviously
0: invented the the Dyson vacuum cleaner, his G-Force floor cleaner, he made... 5,000 prototypes of those before he could uh, sell any of them. And I think he uh, he didn't come from a poor background himself, but basically he needed his wife's salary to fund all these prototypes. I don't think he was getting money from elsewhere. So if his wife hadn't been on a, on a good wicket, uh, then James Dyson's career wouldn't have been successful. You just wonder how many other people like that uh, are st- uh, have great ideas, can't commercialise them because they can't run those prototypes because they can't get the funding to make it happen.
1: And this is actually, if you go back to the Industrial Revolution itself, you find a similar story there. I would like it to be the case that, that uh, the credit system provided the money for entrepreneurs. But when you take a look at it, now they haven't done the historical work, I'm actually trying to find some of the papers that I was sent on this topic by some uh, economic historians. When you look back at James Watt, uh, you look back at the invention of the spinning spinning jenny, all these original inventions, they didn't have government money to, uh, to come up with the idea. What they tended to do was cool from what a friend of mine calls the the, the bank of FFF, family, friends, and fools. Mm. And I uh, said, so, look, I've got this great idea. Um, I'm, you know, you know, like I'm, I'm literally caught up there myself right now, as you know. Um, uh, I've got this great idea. I want to commercialize it, but I can't get any money to commercialize it. Can I borrow some money from you? Do you have any money you don't need? Uh, at the moment, and okay, with well, some cash gets put across, and then when it succeeds, then there's, then the banks throw money at it. Mm. Now you need to reverse it. You need to get. And when uh, it doesn't succeed,
0: which will be more than fifty percent of the time, then you lose all your family and friends. And that's uh, right. Yeah. You're penniless. Yeah, make for great
1: socials. You- but no wonder the Scots are so sour.
0: <laughs> and uh, I, know, I think there's lots of other reasons for that. But the um, but I mean the the answer from the government very often is. Oh, we'll just uh, we'll just create less red tape. That's that's all business yeah, needs. No,
1: it, it's got to be it's got to be not it's not red tape. It's, it's it's green paper. Yeah, you need the other. You need to, you need to have the government being willing to sponsor stuff, which is going to fail. And you need to have people saying the fact that this thing runs at a loss is not a problem for the government because the government can afford that loss. And these are the sorts of ways I'd like to see government spending run, not as you know sending out bureaucrats to control the marking of the university lecturers. Not that I have any personal experience of that. Um, right, might be going off a tangent here, I yeah, suspect. But <laughs> yeah, using government
0: tangent. using government money as an as an investment tool and, uh, for and, high risk that.
1: But, yeah. it, that uh, w- th- they would otherwise not be able to get access to them. People, the fact that this thing is going to lose money yeah. because it's actually the, the businesses we want to spin off that are the important thing, not whether it makes a profit or not. So there's another angle here as well, isn't there, which is that whole entrepreneurial mindset.
0: Is that just mm-hmm. is that there anyway or does it need to be – do we need it as, as part of the education at, at school or do entrepreneurs exist anyway and, and we can spend too much time trying to – recreate uh, history to try and create more Dysons in the the UK. I
1: don't don't think you can actually teach entrepreneurship in Mm -hmm. that sense, though I know the courses like that exist. I think what you have is an an environment where it's not discouraged and not penalised, and that is one case where Americans do make the case that you're allowed to fail in America, Um, and that is one of the reasons people end up succeeding. Uh, whereas the UK and, and other countries can be more admonishing of anybody who fails, so if you have one failure, that that's a, a big mark against you ever getting any other any other funding or any other company. i uh, okay, Amer- Americans have got too many scam artists. I think we can all see that from the number of churches they've generated, let alone the number of of uh, of, um, of Donald Trumps it's created. Um, but. It, it is a place where somebody can come up with an idea and get funding uh, to turn that idea into reality. And we get the unicorn nonsense out of it all as well. But it's a culture that doesn't penalize failure so long as you try. And that's partially, that is a mindset. And i from my experience in the UK, I think that needs to be changed because the emphasis there is so much on not making a mistake in the first place. If you don't make a mistake, you won't innovate. So I read somewhere that um, that really uh, a lot of government policy towards
0: business, particularly for new business, is largely related to transactions. So it's, you know, uh, we'll reduce the amount of tax or we'll uh-huh. give you lower interest loans or all that sort of stuff. Whereas entrepreneurship largely is relational in nature so aside from the fact that you need money to try and develop your business actually lots of businesses don't need that much money in the in the early days what people do need is is connections and uh, so someone might have a great idea but they just don't have access to to the right people and i can sort of relate to that a little bit in that uh, like you you know i mean you're out and about a lot more than i am i just sit in my little studio and uh, in the dark and pick my nose i don't see that I, I don't see what that charming <laughs> i don't this see that many people this Bobby. is why i don't see that many people but actually um the <laughs> opportunity really the opportunity thing. for me to network would be a good thing and it's different you know so you can go to a conference which costs thousands and thousands of pounds but actually if we had smart business more smart business hubs i think we might have talked about this before if libraries are in towns were t- turned into business hubs and stuff where where like minds can get together more networking actually i, I See as an, uh, an opportunity for uh, for businesses to d- develop more, and that's you know perhaps more than money. In fact,
1: yeah, well, I'm actually more inclined to think the money matters. You- but um, but in in both cases, it's it's a culture of innovation which the UK used to have, um, and if you go back and look at political decisions that are made in the past, I mean, for example, the Brits developed the computer. And the Americans developed the uh, nuclear atomic bomb, and in possibly the second worst trade in human history, the worst trade being the Dutch selling Manhattan mm. to the uh, to the English, um, the, the 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 sale of the computer technology to America meant that America became the centre of computer innovation, and the the nuclear power thing didn't work out so well. So it's uh, one of those cases where the innovation hasn't been sponsored domestically, and that's one that you you have to get that uh, sponsored, and the government sector has the capacity to finance that in the way that the uh, financial sector does not. Can it- also go for modifying the financial sector to enable companies, uh, uh, corporates, to give uh, 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 bank-type institutions to give loans based on equity positions rather than on debt positions. So, can it be done
0: in in uh, in sufficient scale to make a big difference? So, I mean, you know, Google, Microsofts, they're all you know uh, 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 a lot. Tesla, they're all sort of American companies now making a lot of money, which we're not seeing outside America. So, how come? it's happening in the us and it's not happening in in the uk why haven't we got a google based in the uk for
1: example not part of it because information technology was it was something that the as i said the uk conceded 60 years ago to the americans um, and the americans have run with it much more it's had much more impact over time than the than the nuclear um, but it's again it's this focus of letting being willing to let people fail mm. funding f- funding failure uh, which means you've got to have a government sector doing it, and of course, what one thing people don't put into in their minds when they think about America in this front is the military, uh, because the military is such a huge part of the American economy. It's financing a lot of this initial innovation, blue sky stuff. Um, uh, is that or the, 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 all, all the talk they make about not? Uh, not uh, having government supports and subsidies, et cetera, et cetera. The American military, apart from where it blows up the rest of the world, is an enormous subsidy to American manufacturing, and it enables these losses to be made. It enables speculative things to be tried out, and including the internet, for example, of course, which was initially initiative of of, of DARPA, Defence Advanced Advanced Research and Products. I've forgotten what it actually stands for fully, but D-A-R-P-A. DARPA was the institution that funded the invention of the internet
0: so i mean we could use it for a, if we had something similar it's just an excuse isn't it in a way to spend money on 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 research that has an aim the aim unfortunately yeah. is to to kill people but if the aim was to save people like for example in climate change research and we we, we funded technology like that then we might get uh, similar similar spin-offs in in, in other industries
1: yeah, and that, that's what you need, the capacity to finance. And that's where, again, Mariana Mazakuto's work is extremely important on uh, saying the, the government provides the finance that enables innovation to occur because the government can afford to finance a failure, whereas a private sector institution can't because it can't create its own money, whereas the government does, can and does. So it's largely getting that, that government finance, so things like a investment bank or investment equity uh, company established by the government designed to lose money uh, but designed to do it in innovative by fi- fi- by sponsoring innovative businesses uh, enabling the finance sector uh, to take out to have loans to have an equity component to them rather than debt however I must mention one of my uh, I think one of our podcast subscribers heard that and said the last thing she'd want to have is have um, bankers on their board uh, given their, their personalities mm. and orientations I can completely agree with that so yeah. they are whether we in a good party. Yeah. yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, <laughs> lots of white powder. <laughs> not, not a lot of uh, white hair in terms of brains. So
0: um, how much of, of the problem in the UK? I mean, you, you talked about the fact that, you know, we've we've seen uh, manufacturing decline, and obviously since the, the Maggie era. I mean, she gave it a very good go, and it's been perpetuated since then. But, of course, at the time, a lot of those industries were industries in decline, and I'm just wondering whether um, you know, with the part of the problem that Britain has is—is it, is it what it does have? are legacy industries—it's—it's it's been stuck with. So British steel, for example, producing steel in a world which is full of uh, of cheaper steel. And if we look at uh, just over the water, Ireland, a country that used to export almost exclusively to the UK, now through the EU, it's growing faster. The Irish are richer. Irish income per capita has risen uh, since uh, 1995 by 192%. The income per capita in the UK has risen by 40%. So what's mm. that? They're, they're, they're like almost it's five times, time four, to four, yeah. t- four times more than than we are. Mm. Uh, and a large part of that is because they've seen this huge growth in pharmaceuticals and chemistry uh, chemicals, which is now more than half of their exports, an industry that just didn't exist in the 1960s. So something's happened there. To say, well, okay, here's a here's a new industry that we can really grab hold of and become a, a dominant player in, and it's brought untold wealth to the Irish. Obviously, they've you know they've also headquartered for a lot of companies through uh, uh, through lower uh, tax. But and I think that's, a that's, that's a, well, You're it fine. is it is big. But I think the fact they've got this manufacturing base, which has basically come from nowhere, I'm just when curious how that's happened
1: because it, it has contributed a lot to that country. Probably a bit like the same sort of thing that China did by getting, uh, encouraging multinationals to set up domestically and, and then getting technology transferred to domestic companies. Right. I'm not, not sure. Not a bad the plan, which, then, is it really? I'm not sure the extent to which Ireland's managed to get the, the, the technology transfer, and certainly not as much as China has achieved. Mm. But yeah, that, that that is part of it. But we, we can't all do that. We can't all make ourselves bases for foreign multinationals, uh, because ultimately they choose one spot. And, uh, and and the others lose out in the competition even though they might have lowered their tax rates to, to try to encourage them but there, there
0: will be so- spin-off even without that to declared you know you you've got to have more than 50 percent ownership by by the Chinese you still have people working in those companies they still walk yeah. away with a bit of intellectual property and they've they got
1: can- then got the knowledge and they can go start their own startups and stuff like that so it's if what you have to do is make that possibility for somebody to decide I'm alert enough in this company I've got a good idea that I can take outside that they're not doing internally uh, but I need finance and that's where the james dyson's wife issue comes up uh it would be more effective if we had uh the government providing that money rather than having to rely upon your spouse mm. but is that a way of doing it faster
0: is it because because that whole process of well let's get uh let's get a couple of million james dyson's uh, creating a couple of million inventions and uh, let's not make them dependent on their wife let's make that money available to people seems like it's a, that's a big ask compared to well let's get a, a few multinationals in here so that they can create a manufacturing base that's not just the service sector so that we we see that manufacturing base grow again in the uk like we've seen in ireland and then and then you get the spin-off benefits from that because of that uh, you know that 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 model of um, Complexity you are adding to the, to the industries that are in the in the midst of that map of of industries, so you've got more spin off benefits.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's still a question of how how in, how much of a market is there for that? Has Ireland already cornered it in that sense? Well, no, have a pharmaceutical. and, and what are the impact? Yeah. Um, I and mean, you don't you don't this is where are partly having an MMT orientation makes life a bit easier. You don't have to imagine the government has to tax in order to spend, so it can it can afford you can afford to drop the tax rates um, so long as you then cope with the the fallout in terms of excessive creation of government money. We haven't had that in the first place, so you know, to some extent you could you could allow that to happen without having the the negative side effects of you know cutting taxes means you can't finance government spending. So you can do it that way. Um, but I think in, in terms of the uh, – it, it, it may be a bit late to, to, to try the foreign multinationals approach to building up local industry.
0: One area we haven't talked about, which is obviously an area that's central to you, but maybe we haven't talked about because we don't see it as, as that important, is – I mean, we touched on it – is education. I mean, we, we said you can't teach uh- – <clears throat> Uh, You can't teach people to be entrepreneurs, but uh, is there anything the education sector has to play in all of this? Because actually, you look 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 at a lot of people who are very successful.
1: They're not necessarily that did, did that well at school. This this is one of the things which I I do have opinions on because in Australia I was uh, well. There's other uh, things you don't have opinions on. I, <laughs> you should have an opinion on uh, everything. But okay, give us your opinion on education. We should never have abolished the the with the the middle level between uh, tertiary between tertiary education and trade education. Mm. Most countries that had a three tiered system, including Australia, where you had uh, technical and further education, which taught sort of machine skills and things of that nature, uh, uh, colleges of advanced education, which taught things like accounting and nursing, and then universities teaching uh, higher level subjects, physics, chemistry, unfortunately, also economics. Um, And what happened with the middle layer was abolished, and we try to make everybody a university graduate, which is more about status uh, than about uh, reality. And... And what you lost with, you you also downgraded the technical education. Now, I haven't seen a German technical education college, but I have been told walking into one of those is like walking into a science fiction set, whereas walking into the British equivalent is like walking into a museum. And you have the, the, the level of training for machine tool skills, for... Uh, you know high precision engineering is much higher in the german education system than it is in the uk and i think the uk needs to recreate that apprenticeship scheme the the the, the training of people to work as as highly skilled workers in technological industries you need that and that's partly also where the, where the, the invention comes from as well i mean does that need to start earlier in fact you know
0: rather than just doing uh maths and English and a language should kids from 13 or 14 being, you know, be taught how to fix plumbing and actually be really useful because my kids are about that age and I seem to be having a bit of trouble with my plumbing at the moment. So the house, the house, not me. I, I mean, uh, the,
1: there's actually another little historical quirk in the UK called a man called Sir Cyril Burt. Have you ever heard of Sir Cyril Burt?
0: Then the name rings a bell. Okay, so like...
1: Cyril Burt invented what's called the eleven, the 11 uh, plus system where students were streamed at the age of eleven based on IQ tests into yeah. either academic education or trade education. And as it turns out, and this is one of these classic things it's the, like the old eleven plus. I did it did it myself. So Cyril Burt was a fraud. Um he based his research on the argument that IQ was uh in, inherited rather than acquired. Mm. And he did tests of of, of uh, twins who'd been separated at birth. Um, one raised by a fa- by a parent in um uh, with an educated background, the other with an ordinary background, and he found, lo and behold, didn't make much difference. It's the IQ that determined the overall result. The trouble is when people went to take a look at his data, I think he had some like, and I, I did this back when I was an undergraduate student, I might add. This is why I know about this one. Uh, he had, I think, 84 different twins had been separated at birth. First of all, there were not that many twins that had been separated at birth in the UK. The data was made up, a large part of it. And secondly, where he did have this data, he was looking at the um, the status of the child based on the education level of the father when it offered the circumstances of the mother that determined whether they were living in penury or living living in, in plenty or not. Um, so that test was, was farcical. But Um, but partly the idea that you should be taught technical skills as well, trade skills, as well as uh, French and Latin. Uh, Yes, it's a vital part of a decent education, and we don't have enough of it. Mm. So if we
0: did that, if we made funding available, um, and, I mean, that's almost like the key ingredients taken care of right there. The question is, is it enough? And I've added to that, which you didn't think was that important, thanks, Uh, the idea that we need need more networking opportunities because you need to meet the other people who Mm. are working in those industries that perhaps you could uh, you could work together on. Um, but anyway, aside from that, they're, they're, the, they're the sort of key ingredients.
1: And plus also a devaluation of the pound.
0: And a devaluation of the pound. Well, There's thank like God we're getting deals that deals one. That, that one's working. Definitely. Uh, so we're well on our yeah. way, thanks to Brexit. Is it enough? Will Britain prosper then uh, in the coming years, unshackled from Brussels with with all of this opportunity? Will we prosper? Probably not, because the government's not going to do any of those things.
1: Yeah, and also the finance sector will uh, will will fight to and nail against it, mm. and of course that the fact that the finance sector is too big in the first place. So why will the finance sector? Large.
0: Why will they rally against it? Because I would have thought you know more more income coming into the country is good for the finance sector. They they should uh, relish it, shouldn't they? They well, just they, they just they, won't they, want to fund it themselves.
1: That's all. They they want to have a they the, the, for them a high valued pound makes more sense than a low valued yeah. pound. They'll resist anything that causes devaluation because that uh, affects the capacity then to buy us that's overseas right but as we grow as we develop a, a manufacturing base
0: and grow the economy grows then that that will correct itself won't it
1: yeah. well i mean i'm a bit skeptical about the possibility of it happening in the first place given the ecological environment where all in as of this. Well.
0: after all of this we had before. all this we had a plan and now you're saying it's not going to happen
1: yeah afraid so
0: well, <laughs> it's an interesting discussion anyway. Well, you've got to have some hope, haven't you? Otherwise, what is, what is the hope for the UK's yeah, I mean, future? I mean, I mean, you've got to go in one direction. You've got to have a roadmap, surely.
1: Yeah, and it basically means reverse direction. Get away from the everything on the finance sector and growing the so-called service sector. Start looking at building up your manufacturing base again because whatever happens in the future uh, with the climate change, you're going to need it in that situation. It's mm-hmm. something which, uh, you know, you, you can't... you. You can't bond your way out of an environmental crisis. You've got to manufacture and industrialise your way out of it right. if you can get out of it at all. Well, so- and there
0: it is. There's the answer. Staring in the face, isn't it? That we just need to, because we we have played in the in the energy sector. Um, that the, the obvious, you know, companies like BP are big multinationals, and they're you know they've they started their life as as British companies. There's an opportunity for us to to develop that that whole new sector. And look, and if you can make uh, alternative energy work in Scotland for example, you can make it work anywhere in the world.
1: Yeah, and you've also got the other the issue that our, a lot of our listener into also the nuclear and thorium end of the world, which is still a nobody's actually cracked that one yet. So that's another uh, you know obvious area to throw government money at, where lots of them will lose. Maybe one of them will succeed, and if that's the case, it succeeds, then um, there's a positive out of the environmental crisis coming our way.
0: Right, And someone somewhere will, you know, there will be inventions associated with all of this. So there, someone will invent us a, a special nut, for example, that will make uh, um, a wind power stations generate 10 percent more energy uh, from, from their sails just by the shape of the nut. There's going to be tiny stuff like that that will come out of uh, the next James Dyson. That's right. I'm sorry. And it could well be British. Uh, should we play the national anthem as we finish this this, this week's edition? <laughs> uh, we'll catch you again very soon. Thanks, Steve. Okay, mate. Bye. And uh, Next time, should central banks take back control of the money supply? These days, most money is actually created by commercial banks, and that means the money supply is up and down depending on the demand for credit. So should central banks take back more control? And if so, how? That's next time on the Debunking Economics podcast with Professor Steve Keen. I'm Phil Dobby. See you then.